We're going to continue our series on grace. We're going to look at a passage that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And the title of this message is, Grace for Thanksgiving, Is It Spreading? Grace for Thanksgiving, Is It Spreading? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 15. Verses 7 through 15. Paul writes and he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Verse 11. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, faith, verse 13, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. Verse 15, for all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Lord, help us as we study. Paul is doing what he can to try to help the Corinthian church understand what the end should look like. And then live backwards. Not a bad idea to try to script what you would like your life to be according to the will of God at the end. And then live your life in such a way from this point to that point so that you can reach it. And here he talks about what the goal is. And he says the ultimate goal is thanksgiving to God. And that it would abound. It wouldn't just be sparse. It would be replete. An abundance of thanksgiving would go to God. But he said it starts with this here, meaning this treasure that God has given us is on the inside. Though we appreciate all the material blessings that the Lord bestows upon us, the finances and the stuff, we're grateful for all that, that passes away. The real treasure is on the inside. And It is of inestimable worth. No value, no price, no tag you can put on it that says it's worth this much. It is beyond worth. It's the reality that Jesus Christ sits on the throne of your heart and that he lives on the inside of you and that he is all you need to become what you need to become and do what you need to do. Through his will being perfected in your life, grace is manifested so that the entire package, which is grace, mercy, and character, gifting, power, endurance, all of that, which is, which is best empowered by the principle of grace and the gift of grace, can then work its way out so that not only do you benefit, but everybody else who sees how you live your life benefits. And he says, oh, this treasure's on the inside. And, and, and the key is to get the treasure on the inside, on the outside. Because if the treasure stays on the inside, 
then people who need to see the treasure on the inside will never benefit because you never let it out. All they will see is your flesh. He says, when people see us, what they see is flesh in the beginning. They see you. They see a human being, the son and daughter born of Adam and Eve, just like every other human being. The treasure is hidden in an earthen vessel. But it's initially hidden that it might be revealed later. The longer they stay around you, the more they need to see of Jesus. They may not recognize it in the beginning because you look like every other son of Adam and daughter of Eve. But the longer they stay around you, they can't help but notice there's something about you. There's, a tr- there, there's, there's, there's something inside you that's different than the rest of humanity. If folks have known you for five years and still haven't seen the treasure, something's wrong. They need to see the treasure, not just hear it. They need to see it. They need the confirmation that you're actually living what you believe. He says the treasure's on the inside. It's hidden. And we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of God's power might be of him and not of us. That people understand we're human. But when a thus says the Lord comes out of a human being and reads your mail, acts like he or she was in your conversation two days ago in your house because God just began to reveal some things to them about you. When somebody lays their hands on somebody and all of a sudden that which was afflicting their physical body no longer exists, they're healed. When somebody who was once dead isn't anymore, it doesn't have anything to do with the human being. It has everything to do with God who abides within. That the treasure might be seen as he who does great things and the surpassing power doesn't come from us. All we are is people. That's it. Just regular garden variety humanity. And every time something supernatural happens, it cannot but be that God does it. It's kind of like when Jesus asked the disciples one day, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They said, well, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He'd been with them now a year and a half when he asked this question. So somebody ought to know some. Well, who do you say that I am? They didn't want to get this one wrong. They've been rebuked a lot, but you don't want to get this one wrong. When he's asking his identity to his most, most close companions who had been with him day and night for a year and a half, you want to get this one right. Peter chimes up and says, oh, you are the You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He felt a prophetic presence come over his life. So much so that Jesus recognized it and said, Brett's paraphrase, I've been with you about a year and a half now. I know you didn't get that on your own, boy. (laughs) Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. That's all of us. Any good that comes out of us didn't come from us. It originated from almighty God. Any good that I do came as a result of God eking out a little bit of good juice through my life. Just squeezing me as hard as he can to get as much juice for your benefit. That's the only way it happens is if he does it. Surpassing greatness might be of him and not of us. The three things I want to talk to you today about are the treasure, the talk, and the thanksgiving. Treasure, the talk, and thanksgiving. 
that treasure needs to be available to everybody. To you, you need to know, because some of you don't even know the value that's on the inside of you. you. You're not even close to beginning to understand. And some of you just ignore it. You don't know the, what the treasure is supposed to do for you other than to get you to heaven. You don't realize that there's value of having the treasure and beginning to, to withdraw some of that in the, the vault, to, to let the accounting principle of why you've got it and now the use of it begin to work for you, that you can actually become better here and not just wait till you get to glory, that you can become more patient, you can become more like Jesus every day here, that that treasure is to benefit you now, not just later. Oh, my goodness, most of us don't understand that. And those of us who do, when we get a taste of it, all we want is more. But Paul says the revelation of the treasure happens in ways that are not the most enjoyable. We'd prefer it happen differently. I know I would. The next few verses are not my favorite. Love my Bible, every verse of it. But I do have passages that I enjoy more than others. And this is one of those that I don't enjoy near as much because the reality of it is painful. There's no way of getting around it, though. And so I gladly submit to the will of my God. I understand what it means to pick up my cross and to enjoy it and embrace it. He says this, that the surpassing greatness might be of God and not of us. For we are afflicted in every way. Say every way. way. He is doing his best to try to convey to you that there is no inconvenience known to man that he has not suffered. Think of a way you can be inconvenienced and afflicted by humanity. And he would be able to check it off in his own life. Afflicted in every way. Yet, not crushed. I've been perplexed. Anybody been confused? You just, you just face circumstances that don't make any sense. You're tithing. You're offering. And your business is going down the tubes. You're living right. You're showing up in church. You're serving in children's ministry. You're coming on Tuesday night for the marriage thing. You're going to a small group midweek. You're coming on Wednesday night for, the, for teaching and prayer. You're coming on Friday night to pray. You're doing everything you know how to do. Getting in your devotionals, devotionals on time. Reading and praying. All, my, meditating. Letting your mind be stayed on him. And life is not treating you like you should think it should treat you. And so the formula is not working. In your mind, you are confused, perplexed. This doesn't make any sense. This can't be God. Paul says, I live there. Perplexed. Can't figure it out. And this is a man who knew Jesus probably better than anybody on the planet at that present time. He said, I'm perplexed. I'm confused a lot. But I never despair. And the reason he said despair is because perplexity leads to despair if you don't stop it. I can't find God now and I can't figure this out. Surely it ain't going to happen for me tomorrow either. I just quit. This ain't going to get no better. Not going to get any better. Despair. Hopelessness. He said, I get perplexed all the time. But it never leads me to despair. Persecution. He said, I'm persecuted, but I am never abandoned. Never forsaken. 
Do you know that Paul spent, we have 20, about 26 years of recorded ministry for Paul. A good part of that was in the, in the Arabian desert. And so we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 that are as we know it to be in the book of Acts. And two to three of those 15, he was in jail. So 10% of his entire ministry life was spent behind bars. And that was the peaceful persecution. Outside of jail was a break from beatings. When he was not in jail, he was beaten. He was stoned one time. Not the the grass kind. (laughs) He was stoned. Took big rocks. Threw them on his head as an execution of Israel. That's the way Israel executed folks. For things they thought were capital capital, uh, crimes. Stoned. And his disciples who wanted him to be alive thought he was dead. Took him outside the city to bury him. And when he got outside the city of Lystra, the city that had stoned him, it's much like he went, whoo, that was rough. All right, well, let's, now, 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 listen, Brett, 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 once I got stoned and realized I'd worn out my welcome in that city, I'd go, I'd go next door. I'd find another place to, to set up ministry shop. Other people want to listen to me. Paul, no, no, no. Paul gets up and says, let's go back. Why? So they can do it again? So this was a man who understood persecution at levels that we do not. Our persecution level is a friend doesn't like us anymore because we preach the gospel to him. Man, I'm not belittling that, but you weren't beaten. Paul says, I've been beaten and persecuted. I live there. But the Lord has been with me every moment of the day. He's never left me. Persecuted, but never forsaken. God has strengthened me through my difficult times. Lastly, he says, struck down, but not destroyed. When you get struck down as much as Paul did, <laughs> you almost have the tendency to say, you know, this, this wallowing in dirt is feeling pretty good because every time I get up, <laughs> I'm right back down here. I think I'll stay. I think I'll just stay. What's the point in getting up? Because every time I get up, I get put back down. Paul said, I'm struck, but my spirit is not destroyed. I, I keep going. Struck down, but not destroyed. God's still going to do something with me. Every time he was beaten down, he got back up. Talking about the treasure, and then we're going to talk about the talk. Because the next verse says this. As it is written, I believed, therefore I also spoke. So we believe, therefore we also speak. Your faith needs to precede your speech, and then your speech will reveal your faith. Are you listening to me? Your faith needs to precede your speech, and then your speech will reveal your faith. Paul says, I've I've been through everything. I've been through the worst of it. But I want you to know, that doesn't change my language and what I believe about God. Let let me say this as a prefacing comment to my next statements. If you don't believe, don't open your mouth. You ask somebody how they're doing and they're not doing well. 
oh, down low, sick in the back. I got a little, uh, well, you know, I just, I'm making it through. Uh, my money's funny. Uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I need a job. I'm unemployed. Yeah. Uh, and they just keep on talking. And all their speech is complaining. There's no faith. There's no perspective of bringing this through the will of God. Paul says, I believed, therefore I spoke. If you don't believe, shut up. Because all you're doing is complaining and magnifying what the enemy is doing in your life, magnifying the trial and ignoring the treasure. Are you listening to me? Now, let me tell you about this treasure. The only way, as Paul has said here, the treasure can best be revealed and exposed is if the, this, this earthen vessel is cracked open. When the earthen vessel is cracked open, then the treasure is revealed. And circumstances allow for the earthen vessel to be cracked open. So that people can see what's on the inside. But most of the time, when God begins to allow the pressure to come to your life, the affliction, the persecution, the struck downness, and the, 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 the perplexity of life, when he brings these things, intending for the treasure to be opened in your life for people to see, nobody sees the treasure. All they see is the circumstance, because the only thing you talk about is the trial, not the treasure. Oh, my life is so bad. I don't know where God is. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Paul said this. I understand what it means to be afflicted, but never in my life has God abandoned me to where I'm crushed. I know what it's like to be completely confused about what the will of God is, but I never go toward despair because I know he's going to lead me in the right way. Now, when you get to your circumstances, you don't want to go to one extreme or another. What I've already said is you just begin to describe how bad it is. The other one is the believer who you ask them how things are going and it's really going bad in their life. They say, great. <laughs> they ignore the circumstances and just go straight toward faith. I believe God. Paul said, no, I'm not on either one. I'm not ignoring the circumstances. I've been afflicted and my affliction is serious. But I, I see my God through it, and I am not crushed. I'm not discouraged. I'm not despondent. I know my God is going to bring me through. So you find yourself in difficulty in your health. Somebody asks you, how you doing? I'm not feeling well at all today, but I know my God is healing my body. That's the way you respond. If you can't talk like that, Paul said, don't speak. I believed, therefore I was able to talk. And I'm able to talk rightly about the promises of Almighty God and the treasure. And what happens is, if you do not speak in the context of the treasure, all people hear is the stench of flesh that everybody has and the smell of death. The decadence, if you will, the decay that all men experience and how life goes downhill. Not for the believer not for the person who understands something about their life supposed, supposing to be that which is to transmit grace to somebody else. He said, I believed, therefore I spoke. And we need to, to, to believe before we open our mouth. And that means you're going to have to understand this Bible. You're going to have to get in there and read God's word. 
and love it. And let it begin to fill the vault of your heart so that whenever difficulty comes, you're not able just to talk about it. You're able to bring up the promise that is associated with that circumstance. When persecution happens, you're able to bring up Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on to say, when all men speak evil of you and they persecute you, bless them, for know that your reward is great in heaven. You need to be able to have these passages or else you'll do one of two things. Either just be discouraged by the persecution or worse, lash out at the person who's doing it. Both of those will deny the treasure that's down on the inside of being seen by the person who desperately needs to see it. God wants to use these circumstances that are untoward to break open the pot. You know, Gideon? Gideon was a man who was reluctant to be used by God in Judges chapter 6 through 9. And yet God used him beautifully. And he was supposed to vanquish a foe that was coming against his nation, the Midianites. Tens of thousands of warriors. And God had given Gideon 30,000 and then reduced the 30 down to 300. Down to 300. And Gideon was wondering, what am I going to do with 300? He said, I'm going to do this for you, God said. He said, get some pots. And we don't know exactly what the communication was between Gideon and God, but we do know that this probably wasn't Gideon's idea. It probably wasn't his idea. So he got pots, put torches in the pots, and then had trumpets. And the trumpets were to be blown at a certain time. And they surrounded the entire Midianite army at night. And when the trumpets were blown, then they were to crack the pots and this flame would come out and people would begin to see light. Well, the, the, the Midianites heard the, the, the trumpet. They came out of their tents all bewildered and not knowing what was going on. They saw these flashing lights. And lo and behold, they began to fight one another until everybody had died. And Gideon was sitting there thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> he did nothing except let his pot be cracked and let the treasure, the light, come out. Which is encouraging because it, it speaks to me that, that God can use crackpots. Wow. <laughs> Some of y'all ought to be really happy. <laughs> Pastor, that's the best thing I've heard all week. Thank you so much. Oh, come on now. Dysfunction is just a matter of degree. Listen, we're all messed up. Every one of us got issues. Some of us just know how to cope better. Some of us have better genetics that allow us to deal with the chemical imbalances and lead them in the right way. Some of us understand something more about the processes that God has prescribed about how to deal with our issues. And so we all try to figure out how in the world to navigate around our weaknesses, our flaws, our sinful nature, our tendencies. This function is just a matter of degree. We're all crackpots, every one of us. Uh, the goal is when the, when the pot is cracked to let the right thing come out. Let the right thing come out. He says, when I'm cracked, this is what comes out of me. Life comes out of me. That the dying of Jesus, the dying of my flesh, I might decrease and then means life for you. 
that the dying of Jesus might be manifest in my mortal body, that his life might be manifest also so that you can see something. Death works in me, but every time it does, life in you. Why? Because he allows the treasure on the inside to be revealed through the cracking. And every circumstance you've got is so that the treasure of Almighty God might be revealed to people who don't know what to do, how to get out of their circumstance, and have no idea how much God loves them. It's not about you. It's not about you. Paul said all these things are for your sake. In this passage, he says we endure all this for you. So that you can receive life. So that you can understand something about how to go through life. So you can see how Jesus moves through difficulty. So you can understand his will for your life doesn't end when the circumstance starts. That he wants to bring you through. So you can talk more about the treasure than the trial. Oh. You got to hold on to this. You got to hold on to this. You got to get this. The benefit, residually, is that you understand more about your purpose. But Paul said, the primary purpose in me going through this stuff is so that you can receive life. And he ends with, and as a result of this stuff happening, grace, grace is spreading. It's spreading to more and more people. Every time I go through difficulty, and I allow the treasure of God to be seen on the inside, people get saved. Folks repent. And the church begins to give more thanks to, 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 to the Father because grace just spreads. Is grace spreading in your life to everybody you know? Is it, spread, is it contagious through you? He said grace is abounding more and more as a result of my difficulty. Does grace come out of your difficulty? Does it have the, the privilege of overflowing and blessing other people? And the end product of all of this is that thanksgiving would be given to God. I'm going to make no, no small statement. And I believe it's true with all my heart, though I've never heard anybody else say it. That the end product of redemption is thanksgiving. That's the end product. There's nothing that comes after that. God sent his son that we could be forgiven for our sin. That we could be made justified though we were condemned. That we could be called sons rather than just servants. That he could bless us. Give us a home and glory forever. And help us in our life here. He crowned us with loving kindness and compassion. He's been amazing. And we receive those benefits and we enjoy them. But remember, the beginning and the end is God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The end is not us. That's not the end. The end is that as a result of what he has done for us, we praise him. We honor him. We give him the glory he is due. Now, let me tell you why I think Thanksgiving is the end product of redemption. 
Because the angels can praise him, and indeed they do. We see pictures of it in, in, in the Bible. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory, it says in Isaiah 6. In the book of Revelation, we see worthy is the land. The angels are singing. It's an amazing moment. They can praise him. They can glorify him. But the angels don't know anything about how to say thank you for being saved. They don't know anything. They can't do that because they, they were never lost. Nobody had to go search for them. Nobody had to forgive them when they were condemned. Nobody had to pardon them when they didn't deserve it. They were never in need of redemption. They were created, and they glorify him for that. But all they can do is look on at the lamb and say, I wonder what that feels like. That's all they can do. Humanity are the only ones who are privileged to say thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for redeeming my life. When I was nothing, you made me something. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is nothing more high in praise than that. Nothing in the universe more high in praise than that. And that, that you withhold, that we withhold thanksgiving because things are going very well right now, because our life isn't going according to our script, and we're mad at God. Jesus, help us. We don't need another material blessing to say thank you. We don't need another miracle to happen in our lives to give him the thanks he deserves. If we had just been forgiven, just that, just that, it would demand a praise service that would never stop. That would never stop. But he didn't stop at forgiveness. He said, I'm not only going to forgive you, I, I'm, I'm going to cancel out the penalty that you should deserve. So forgiveness is just, is just release from wrongdoing, a, 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 a plea for restoration in relationship. It doesn't deal with the penalty. He said, I'm going to pardon you for everything you've done wrong. And, and, amazing. I don't have to suffer? Nope, don't have to suffer. <laughs> and then I'm going to use you. I'm going to make you an emissary of my kingdom, and you're going to go out and, 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 and be a show of, of what forgiveness looks like, and you're going to help people, and you're going to help people understand what it means to be pardoned. You, you, you want to employ me? After I, was your, after I treated you like an enemy? For, you want to invest in me your will? You're amazing. That's Wow, I, I take the job. That's great. Yeah, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to give you my name. I'm not going to just call you a servant. I'm gonna, you're going to be known by me. Um, call you a Christian, give you my name, Christ-like, and, and, and I'm going to let you be my boy and girl. I'm going to adopt you, and, and I'm going to give you an inheritance, an inheritance that's eternal, an inheritance now and an inheritance with rewards when you get to glory that you will be able to, to enjoy for the rest of eternity. That, that's what I'm going to do for you. Do you need anything else 
Is there anything else God needs to do for you to stir the waters of thankfulness in your soul that should... Paul said, when the grace spreads, it should give thanksgiving to God in abundance. Every day, you just ought to wake up saying, thank you, Jesus. Just thank you. I want you to know, I don't know how today's going to go, but I want you to know, I'm going to be thankful starting at the start of this day. I want you to know I am thankful for what you have done for me. And let that set the tone for the entire day. Paul says, that's why I go through all this. That's why I get beat up and put myself in harm's way if need be. And I endure all this that the treasure might be seen, that other people might understand what life looks like so that grace spreads and people can honor and praise him like they should. With thanksgiving un ending this is how grace should flow and spread for the giving of thanks by the breaking open of your pot so that others might see the glorious treasure of Christ in you the hope of glory